0: Hello and welcome to the Sail Loot Podcast, where we share our adventures of the sea and help to achieve that cruising life that sets us free. I'm Teddy J, and this is podcast episode 40 with Will and Kat from MondayNever.com.
1: The advice that I would give to people who are similar to me, the the partner in somebody else's dream is, um, if you like being outside and you like the water, you're going to love this. Um, To say that it was the best experience, the best decision that I've made to do this trip is to put it lightly. Well,
0: as always, thank you so much to all of the Sail Loot listeners, readers, and ralliers. I just actually realized that it has been two months since I released a podcast. This is just a classic example of how life gets in the way sometimes. The good news is that some of what has kept me busy are my efforts to downsize and my efforts to help out fellow cruisers and make some sail loot. I sent an email to the Salute email rally on Friday a few weeks ago and mentioned that I have started renting a room in my townhouse uh, on Airbnb. It has actually been going so well that I'm thinking about moving myself up to the third floor and renting out my master bedroom via Airbnb. So... Some of my time has gone into making sure that our room is turned over, is clean, it has clean sheets, there's a clean bathroom for each new Airbnb guests, and all of those fun things about renting out a room via Airbnb. In fact, when I'm done with the intro and outro of this episode, I have to clean up the room for the next guest. I'll make sure that there is a link to my Airbnb listing in the show notes if you want to check it out. I also went to Hilton Head Island and St. Simons Island for a long weekend where I met Joe and Pat Brassfield and James Newsom. I'm helping them get a website set up and their online presence ramped up for a sailing charter business that they will be starting from Hilton Head Island in the near future called Seize the Day Sailing. Of course, I had to talk to them for a podcast interview, so you'll hear a lot more about them very soon. Of course, they also used my Bluehost link. If you happen to want to set up a website of your own, Bluehost is who I use for hosting. If you want to use them, I might get a little commission if you use the sailloot.com slash Bluehost link. So anyway, three days after I got back from Hilton Head, I was on an airplane headed to Chicago for five days of Lollapalooza for my brother's bachelor party. No, I did not save any sale loot by going to Chicago, but we sure did have an amazing time and it was exactly what my brother wanted to do, so the trip was well worth it. I was able to get in touch with Will and Cat a few days after I returned from Chicago and it seems like just a few days later I was selling things in a neighborhood-wide garage sale for two days. Then it was back to Hilton Head in order to drive down to St. Simon's Island with Joe and Pat Brassfield and Troy in order to meet James Newsom at his boat, Caliana. I was helping to move Caliana from St. Simon's Island up to Hilton Head Island so that it can be a part of their fleet and so that Joe and Pat can look after it while James isn't there at the dock. All of that, and I haven't even mentioned my work schedule yet. In the last six business days, I've helped with 13 surgeries, and I've had about four 12-plus-hour days, including today, actually. So it's been a busy few months, to say the least, and unfortunately, it's been tough to make the time to edit a podcast, but I am still here, and I always plan on churning out Salute podcast episodes when I can. So, all I can really say is thank you for your patience and thank you to all of you who have sent an email, left a podcast review, shared some sale loot links to help spread the loot love, sent a Facebook message, given a like here or there, and have said hello and offered encouragement It's freaking awesome All right well, let's get to this interview and this episode uh, i I got to talk to Wes and Kat from MondayNever.com, and I've pretty much followed them throughout their trip and their videos on their YouTube channel and everything else. They're such an awesome, adventurous couple and a perfect example of how to take a year off from work and sail around the Caribbean and the Bahamas for eight of those months. They're such an inspiration, and as you'll hear, it didn't really cost a whole lot of money for them to go cruising for eight months. Will and Cat are on to their next adventure, exploring on land via a motorcycle and sidecar. This episode was recorded just a week or two prior to their announcement of what their season two adventure would be. I highly suggest that you head on over to mondaynever.com and check them out. From there or the links in the show notes that you can find over at com slash episode zero four zero. You can find their YouTube channel and their Patreon page where you can help support the creation of their amazing videos. I kind of just think it's time for the interview already. So I hope you enjoy my interview with Will and Kat from mondaynever.com. All right. Welcome. I am pleased to have uh, Will and Kat from Monday Never on the line with me today. Uh, thank you guys for joining me on this uh, Sunday afternoon, evening.
2: Thanks for having us, Teddy. Glad to be here.
1: Yeah, we're really looking forward to our conversation.
0: Uh, awesome. I am looking forward to our conversation as well. Uh, I have been watching all of your YouTube videos as you guys have uh, gone around the Caribbean and everything else. And um, I got to listen to you guys on Steve and Brandy's podcast, The Sailing Road, and um, I've actually met Steve as well. That was back when you guys were like sitting, I believe, in Nanny Key on the side of the street trying to find the best Wi-Fi access you, pro- you possibly could in order, to, uh, in order to have a conversation with them. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, and it's funny that you mention it, because about five minutes ago, as we were sitting down to talk with you, I commented that, boy, it's nice to be in a place with good Wi-Fi and no background noise, unlike when we were <laughs> doing the interview with Stephen Brandy and Nanny Key's parking lot. <laughs>
0: um, okay, there, there, there are good things and bad things to all of that, I think. but uh, <laughs> So where are you guys right now?
1: We are sitting in Philadelphia in my parents' house in the house that I grew up in and taking a couple of days off which is actually our first time taking a break in about a year so it feels pretty good.
0: Nice. Nice. You have a comfortable place to stay, some air conditioning.
1: Yeah, air conditioning, like that. toilets that flush, showers. It's the height of luxury over here.
2: Right, right. Don't let anyone tell you being homeless and unemployed is a bad thing. <laughs> it's super-
0: yeah, yeah. No, I kind of want to be homeless and unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's um let's start talking some sailing and sail loot stuff. Um I usually ask people about how they got into sailing, but uh I know a little bit about y'all's background. Um will you you had been sailing a decent amount and like a captain down in the Caribbean or something like that before you guys took off and uh went to get Paradox, is that correct?
2: Yeah, I had a uh Spent a couple of seasons working as a skipper on kind of mid-40-foot catamarans down in the Caribbean. But I hadn't done any like serious ocean voyaging or anything like that. I hadn't crossed any oceans.
0: Okay. And Kat, had you ever sailed before?
1: It depends on how you qualify ever sailing. (laughs) I met Will on... The yacht week, which is kind of a glorified booze cruise and that was on a boat, but I didn't know how to sail. Mm-hmm. And then once we moved out to San Francisco, we sailed a bit out in the bay. So I had a little bit of sailing experience before we bought the boat.
0: Gotcha. So you guys were in San Francisco before you left. That's right. Yeah. And Will, you were you were the captain on that uh yacht week boat. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I somebody told me about it and showed me the the like original yacht week trailer um from 2010 or something and i was like oh well i need to do this so got my certifications in order and flew down to the bvi a few months later and met (laughs) cat
0: nice nice that's awesome okay so you guys were in san francisco before you left and what were you doing like what were your i guess day jobs
1: so I was a management consultant working primarily with pharmaceutical and biotech companies, helping with their marketing and sales operations.
2: Okay, and Will, I worked for a mapping company. Um, right. They called me an operations engineer. I'm not really an engineer, but we were doing mapping in relation to self-driving cars.
0: Okay, awesome. Um, so you got so you, like you guys met down in the Caribbean, and then you you were both actually living in San Francisco at the time? Or, Will, will you down there? In I'm, I'm a little bit confused about all that.
1: Because it's confusing. <laughs> okay.
2: yeah, I was in grad school, and when I would work as a skipper, it was purely, I mean, I'd make a little bit of money, but it was just recreational. Like In summers between semesters or spring breaks, I would go down to the Caribbean and work. But I was in grad school in North Carolina when I met Kat, and she was in business school in New York City.
0: Okay. And so you guys then got together and decided to move to San Francisco or both got jobs in San Francisco? How did that work out?
2: Yeah, sort of around about a couple of years before that happened of long distance dating. But eventually we decided, okay, yeah, let's go for it. I went to San Francisco and or the West Coast and then she went to San Francisco and we moved in together sometime thereafter.
0: Cool. Cool. Well, and then you got married. Well, you you guys were living in San Francisco, right? You got married and all that other stuff before this. Was that like you guys got married before this adventure came into your mind to do this, or what?
1: Well. S- this adventure had sort of been on the table from basically the minute I started dating Will. It was a big dream of his, so we had been thinking about it and actually starting to save for the trip before we were engaged. Um, but then once then we got married, and then basically on our one year anniversary was the start date of our of our cruising.
0: Okay, so was the start date of your actual cruising? Yep. Okay.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, so. How did you save? Like, what was your thought process in, in you know, when you guys said, okay, we're going to go do this for a year, what did you guys do? What actions did you guys take in order to? Go?
2: So, <laughs> I, like everybody else, sat around and dreamed about it and sat and read Yacht World listings for a few years and, you know, read Bumfuzzle and all the other blogs, but Kat finally recognized that this was going to have to happen in order for us to have a successful marriage. And uh, without my consent, or we weren't even sharing finances at this point, but she made a spreadsheet, projected what she thought I was earning and saving versus what she knew about her own savings and what she thought a sailing trip might cost and kind of laid out a basic plan. And we started saving
1: based on that.
2: Yeah, immediately. It started with just like a couple hundred bucks a month going into what we called the boat fund, which was just a separate savings account, and quickly ramped up from there.
1: I'm a pretty big financial planner in my own personal finances, and um, I'm a big believer that if you set a goal and a separate account, and you just are very diligent in every month just putting money into that, that you can actually save a lot of money pretty quickly. So I didn't know anything about how much this type of a trip would cost. But I just did sort of a a rough, very conservative estimate. Um, and then we, then we went from there. And having that goal so early on, this was two and a half, three years before we actually left, allowed us then moving forward as we were making decisions about What kind of apartment did we want to live in? Um, How did we want to spend our money each month? It helped us really prioritize being able to put a huge chunk of money towards the boat fund. For example, we lived in a pretty small studio apartment in San Francisco, which allowed us to save just a ton of money every month instead of having a, a bigger place to live.
0: So instead of paying like $4,000 a month in rent, you were only paying like $1,500
2: yeah. $1, a month Yeah, we, we paid $1,700 for a studio in a great neighborhood. And it was a really nice little apartment. But, I mean, that was a deal by San Francisco standards. And cohabitating made it just yeah. so much cheaper. Like most of my buddies were single guys and trying to live in one-bedroom apartments. And they were just broke because of it. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh, well, that makes sense. So having dual income and being in a $1,700 a month apartment uh, would certainly save you some money in San Francisco, it sounds like.
1: Yeah. I mean, cost of living there is just outrageous, as most people know. Um, so that's, that's how we made it more affordable for us.
0: Awesome. So did you have like a set number in mind that you had to get to in that savings account before you uh, you know, thought you were able to set sail and take off?
2: Yeah, we kind of and it continually was revised because when we first started talking about the trip, it was sort of under the premise of um, buying a boat, sort of a smallish, maybe like 30, 32 foot boat somewhere on the East Coast and spending six months in the Bahamas and then going back to work, which require, you know, it's not a very long distance. You can be um, you can kind of rough it. And so the, the budget was pretty limited for that. But as we started setting our sights for a slightly longer period of time and bigger water, we had to start upping what we thought we realistically needed in a boat, and just obviously the the longer monthly budget. Right. So, what did your
0: what did if you don't mind me asking, what did your number end up being?
2: Um, I don't mind you asking at all. Uh, I can't remember what we actually targeted exactly. But on the day we left, basically we had saved 120,000 and 37 of that went to the boat Okay, and the rest was left. And we figured that would give us, we could either have like an outrageous one year or a more frugal two years and still leave us with a cushion of 20,000 at the end for uh, getting back into real life.
0: Okay, nice. You spent thirty-seven thousand on the boat. It sounds like was that for the purchase of the boat alone, or for purchasing the boat and you know the things that you might have had to do to it to get it ready to sail?
2: Just the sale price of the boat. Okay.
0: So after that, the work that you were doing for a few weeks in uh, Nanny Key uh, was. Added was more than that thirty seven thousand basically,
2: yeah, okay. and it wasn't a ton of money. I we we never really kept close track, but I think, in terms of just maintenance costs and any kind of minor upgrades we did, which we, wasn't much, it was basically a turnkey boat.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't think amounted to more than maybe three or four thousand dollars for the entire year.
0: Oh, nice. So I mean, let's say you might have spent like forty thousand dollars on the boat basically throughout yeah. the entire year.
2: Yeah, that doesn't include things like storing it for hurricane season before we got there or insurance, but just for the actual physical boat. Yeah, probably about forty. Right. Yeah,
1: and that was kind of I sort of set a hard limit. I said we can't spend more than forty thousand on the boat. Let's get the best we can for under that, um, because I just thought that our budget would stretch so much further and you know once that ticker starts to move and you say okay well maybe 45 or maybe 50 or you know we could probably afford 60 then all of a sudden you're such a high percentage of your budget goes to the cost of your boat that i I was just trying to have us avoid that as much as possible
0: yeah no it sounds like a smart plan um did you guys ever think about like financing a boat
2: mm, i've I think i realized that brian from delos had financed his boat at some point before we left and it like vaguely crossed my mind that oh i guess that's possible and not totally insane because brian seems like a rational person but not really I, we were thinking that if we couldn't pay cash for a boat, we didn't. We, we shouldn't really be out there doing it.
1: The other part of the thinking was we'd never done a trip like this, and I had very little experience on boats. So I wanted to make sure we had a boat that if we crunched the dock, we weren't going to cry over a scratch. <laughs> 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 and if, God forbid, the boat sank or if there was a hurricane coming, we would feel fine about getting off the boat and letting nature take its course. And if you finance the boat – um, or if you rent a boat, I, I think you would probably feel differently towards it. If I rented a
2: boat, I'd, I'd just run away. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean.
1: So we wanted to find a boat that if she sank, while we'd be sad, it wouldn't sink us financially.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, uh, I, I just asked that because I have um, basically the people that kind of got me into sailing uh, did a very similar thing trip to which you did and they kinda they kinda went all out though and they financed a forty foot catamaran instead of a, you know, and they were like, well okay, in order to have it for these two years, we only need to have this much a month to pay for that, you know, for that loan, basically. So
2: Yeah, and uh, it's not totally unreasonable, particularly on something like a catamaran, because they're holding their value so well. They're in such high demand at the moment that It's risky because if you do sink the boat or if you do have a major failure or like the bum fuzzles, the thing turns out to be delaminating and it costs you forty thousand dollars to repair it, then your whole financial forecast is out of whack. But assuming everything goes well, yeah, you could you could spend two years on that boat and turn around and sell it for not much of a loss. You basically just rented a boat for, you know, ten or twenty grand for two years.
0: Right, and that's and that's exactly what they did. Is they they got home and they sold their boat. Um kind kind of like what you guys did. You know, you, you were talking right there and that got me a little bit You guys were pretty brave to just like sight unseen purchase a boat.
2: Yeah, I mean, we never sight unseen is that's how we describe it to people because it raises eyebrows and it's kind of fun for shock value, but <laughs> It's not really a fair description. We never saw it with our own eyes, but we really did our due diligence on the boat. I had a great broker, Chris Simpson at BBI Yacht Sales, who really worked on my behalf. He was, despite us only looking at forty thousand dollars boats, he treated us like we were buying a half million dollar boat. Um, so he was kind of my tire kicker, and he could check it out beforehand and you know tear through it and go through with the camera and take. 100 pictures. So he was my first line of defense. And then once we narrowed down the boat, we were going hire, to hire a surveyor no matter what. So the surveyor gets on board, does his thing. And in the case of our boat, we also had a survey from one year prior as well as our own. So we had two surveyors opinions. And by the time we were done with all that, it's like, should we really spend a few thousand dollars for the two of us to fly down and just nod along with what the survey said anyway right
1: i think the other factor is where we were looking and in the price range that we were looking there quite frankly just weren't that many boats that were outfitted to go cruising on so that we could afford that we could afford exactly so it wasn't like we could go to florida and just look at a ton of boats in our price range and see which one we liked it was this boat and maybe one or two that might come along later in the season
0: well, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it worked out for you. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and it uh, l- seems like you had a lot of good help uh, down there as well. Um, so talk to me a little bit about having, because this is kind of the situation that I'm in at the moment, uh, and, I, and I want a little bit of uh, your advice. The conversation with your like, bosses when you looked at them and said, we're going to not be here for a year. How did that go?
2: Uh, so okay, we I think we closed on our the sale of our boat on like June thirtieth of twenty fifteen, and the next like next Monday we each talked to our companies. For me, it was great. I I really got along with my coworkers and my boss, and I told him, and he was a little bit flabbergasted just because it was an idea that you know wouldn't have crossed his mind, but all for it. Thought it sounded awesome. You know, recognized that that was going to mean the end of our working relationship for the moment, but, uh, was totally gracious about it and left the door wide open for me uh, if I wanted to come back in the future. Um, but I also, I think it was useful a little bit risky, but good that we gave so much notice. Cause I gave him like almost, I think three months notice. So I could, I had a whole quarter to kind of finish out my work and transfer my responsibilities and help hire my replacement. So it went over really well, as well as could be asked for.
1: Yeah, and my situation was similar in that it could have been really risky, but it went it went over great. My company and my specific team uh, is quite small and all of our projects are project-based. So having a long lead time to let them know that I wouldn't be coming back to work was, was actually quite, imp- I felt like it was quite important and would just help continue the relationship moving forward. My job actually ended up offering me a leave of absence. So technically, I have a place waiting for me when I decide to go back to work. So the single best outcome you could possibly hope for is what happened to us.
0: That's great. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. I, if I, When I go to do this, I need to give my employer a uh, pretty long lead time, I believe. Um, who knows if three months is enough time? but so you guys closed on the boat you said in june yeah and so you you didn't go down and see the boat until you got down there when did you when did you get down to tortola
2: october 13th
0: so you had this boat down there was it in the water or was it on the hard it was on the hard okay so you had this boat down there just waiting for you were you guys just like itching to get down to tortola like you were I, like well you yeah, have a boat what the heck are we doing I
2: would, I was itching when I saw a tropical storm bearing down for and I almost skipped uh cat's brother's engagement party to fly down. I don't know what I thought I was going to do. Like, was I going to stand next to it and hold it up as the the storm passed over? But I got a little antsy then. Um, but other than that, I don't know. We had so many loose ends in San Francisco to tie up that there wasn't a lot of time to worry about what the boat was doing.
0: Okay. All right. Well, good. Um, so, tying everything up and getting out of san francisco what did you guys do i mean so you were living in a one-bedroom studio apartment it sounds like maybe you guys didn't have a lot of a ton of stuff to like get rid of and everything else before you went to live on a boat is that true
1: yeah i mean we literally well we prioritized this boat trip above all else so we tried to be pretty vigilant about not bringing too much stuff into the apartment to begin with but you know it's It's a space. It's going to fill up with more crap than you think you ever need. Um, And we decided to just get rid of quite literally everything, most of our clothes, all of our furniture. And the only things we kept were what we could fit in the back of Will's Volkswagen Jetta. Mm -hmm. So we downsized tremendously and then um, put some of that into storage. And took the rest on what we could fly down to Trollo with, and sold the boat. But literally, right now when we, sold end, the car. I'm sorry, I sold the car.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait a minute.
1: Yeah, um, and now that we've moved off the boat, everything we own fits in like three duffel bags. We we don't we don't have much.
2: Nice. I want to get down to three duffel bags. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Yeah, three duffel bags and a spear gun. I just couldn't part with it.
0: Well, yeah, I totally agree. Do you do? You, where's all the fishing equipment?
2: I have it. All right. All right. Good. That's good.
1: I left the rods on the boat and I had a crappy reel, but I have my pen six and my pen 12 and all of my lures. I left the gaff. I felt like I probably didn't need to store that. Right. Um, But the important stuff I've still got.
0: All right. Good. I'm good. I'm glad. Well, that tells me maybe you'll hopefully you'll get back on out on the water at some point in time.
1: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Uh, So tell me a little bit about your trip. You started in Tortola. And when did you actually uh, leave Tortola? Uh,
2: So we got there on October 13th, worked on the hard for a couple days, splashed her, and sat in a slip in the marina for about, I guess, another week or so. And I think it was October 23rd, -hmm. maybe, that we, we pulled out of Nanny Key and went over to, I think, Norman Island was our first destination, like overnight destination, and after that, we were full-time cruising. We've spent very little time in marinas since then.
0: That's great. Did you have to worry about... Um, so, I think of October as still being the tail end of hurricane season, correct?
2: Yeah, but statistically, right. it's pretty low risk by the later half of October. Well,
0: did you have to worry about insurance telling you that you couldn't do... Like, your insurance didn't, didn't worry about that, I guess?
2: Uh, well, I think we were just, they were worrying about it in the sense that we were paying more for it. Okay. Uh, The boat had been stored in the hurricane season all through that. And they knew that we were going to be splashing the boat on October 15th. And yeah, that was just part of the deal. But we also paid $1,700 for the year on a $40,000 boat. So that's a as a percent of hull value. That's rather high,
0: right? Yeah, that's it seems to be quite high. I know people that um, pay about that much, or I've, I guess, some of the people I've talked to pay about that much on a more expensive boat, basically.
2: So, yeah, um, yeah, and I mean, maybe they just got better deals, but they I, I would guess that they were, they've got to be outside of the box during hurricane season, and right. they're running around a lot more to be in the right place at the right time where we didn't want to be held to that okay
0: so you guys basically paid more in insurance in order to not be held to the whole you know outside the box type stuff for hurricane season yep cool and how did you go about arranging all that i mean so did um uh, did your broker like arrange the insurance did you guys look it all up and do all the necessary research and all that stuff
2: Um, I definitely did a lot of my own research and called a lot of places, uh, but I think the place that we ended up going through, Offshore Risk Management, I'm pretty sure our broker recommended them, Um, so I I maybe could have saved myself a lot of work if I just called them first. But yeah, (laughs) some places just wouldn't do it, like Pantaneus, whatever the big insurance company is, they just wouldn't touch us because it was an old boat during hurricane season. and couple others had similar quotes. Um, yeah, but offshore risk seemed like an all right deal. Then again, I also didn't read the fine print that closely. I finally just said, screw it, we'll take it.
0: Yeah, gotcha. Uh, well, And it does seem as if, you know, I, I know a lot of stuff from listening to um, your interview back, like I said, with uh, The Sailing Road. And um, it seems like you did a lot of your own good crazy intense research on purchasing the boat and purchase prices like was that right weren't you telling them a story of how you would search for all the same similar boats that were being sold uh, in like or or your broker had a list of them and you were checking out the prices of what they sold at everywhere else and all that other stuff is that correct
2: yeah i basically just wanted to have a sense of if we bought a boat in the Virgin islands or somewhere in the Caribbean and brought it back to the East coast. Um, what was that going to look like? And so I made a spreadsheet and started looking at, I, I picked, I think Beneteau 393s because there's a ton of them around just to use as a benchmark boat. Mm-hmm. And I would compare the price and time on market in Tortola versus the same thing on the East coast to get a sense for, Um, How much more or less do they sell for on the East Coast and how long do they stay on the market, that kind of thing. And it was easier to use something like a Beneteau just because there's lots of them, whereas most manufacturers, there's very few on the market at any given time, particularly in the case of the boat we ended up buying. And then also, you know, when you get close to the buying stage, uh, definitely have your broker run you a list on soldboats.com, which is basically the back end of yacht world. So Yacht World shows you the asking price, but it doesn't show you how long the listing's been there, like when it was first put up. And it doesn't show you what a boat has actually sold for, whereas soldboats.com has all that information. Every time a broker sells a boat, they've got to input that information in. So it's a really useful set of data.
0: So it sounds like it could behoove somebody like myself to definitely have a broker that can have access to soldboats.com basically when i'm searching to buy a boat
2: oh yeah i don't see a lot of downside to having a buyer's broker i think it's a really good thing that commission isn't coming out of your pocket anyway the seller's going to pay that he's paying 10 percent no matter what so you might as well take advantage of it um the only downside to having a broker is that it just slows the process down a little bit but depending on your perspective that might be a good thing right. uh, but it just means that, you know, when you make an offer, it's got to go through your broker to their broker to the seller, and the response travels back the opposite way. So it's a it's a more it's a slower process than like just you and the seller going back and forth, like over the phone and coming to a deal pretty much immediately. Gotcha.
0: Well, cool. Sounds like some useful information for myself.
2: Um, all right. So where did you
0: go from Norman? How long did you stay at, at Norman and in, in the BVI?
2: Uh, we cruised around the British and U.S. Virgin Islands for, I think, I three, mind. yeah, it was nearly a month, just kind of feeling out the boat and fixing things as we went, and it was. It kind of felt like uh, we were on home turf there, so it was all pretty safe. I mean, the Virgin Islands is incredibly easy sailing, and uh, after that, we went to St. Martin because we had booked some flights out of there to go to Cat's Brother's wedding, so we knew we had to be there in early December, so we Picked a weather window across the Anagata Passage, which was super easy, unlike what most people say. We just had good weather (laughs) and ended up getting stuck in St. Martin for a month after that, which we did not intend to do.
0: Why did you get stuck in St. Martin?
1: So well, we had my brother's wedding yeah. was in on December twelfth, and my mom said she would kill me if I if I missed my flight. So we got there early just to make sure that um, we'd have plenty of time. But then when we got back, the Christmas winds mm-hmm. hit, and the Christmas winds are a phenomenon where the wind picks up like crazy right around Christmas time, and it just made going anywhere um, unsafe. So we weren't actually able to. Well, we
2: also had guests too, and I, Kat, and I probably, with some trepidation, would have gone sailing and kept moving. But thirty plus knots of wind with non-sailors just wasn't going to happen. So we found ourselves sitting there until January first. Basically, we we made the run to St. Barts a few times, but not anywhere far afield.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thirty plus knots of wind is, uh, yeah for, for
2: <laughs> it sounds about right
1: you might have
0: gone with some trepidation but other than that it was probably smarter for you to uh sit it, wait it out basically so
2: yeah and we still weren't totally confident with the boat at that point we were still learning her yeah
0: well and how like how was your learning curve cat
1: you know i was pretty nervous about it i i'd spent up to a week at a time on a boat, but no longer than that. And so I just didn't know what to expect. You know, how would I like living in such a small quarters with Will all the time? Um, <laughs> what would sailing be like? And it was shockingly easy. It was all really, really smooth. Um, we, I think, both of us, but me particularly, really took to both sailing and the lifestyle right away. And our boat is, is easy to sail. She's pretty forgiving. So she was a good learning vessel for me. Right. And now I feel totally competent. I can single hand the boat. Um, no problem. So I think, it, I think it went pretty smoothly. I don't have much to compare it to. Right. <laughs> but,
0: well, I mean, I mean, you made it. Yeah. Made it. <laughs> I made no, it no, and no. I
1: loved it. Right. Um, I, I was a little worried that I was going to be bored. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's only so much time you can you know, sit on a beach, what what was I going to do? And that was never a problem. As you can probably tell from the videos, I became obsessed with fishing and um, there's just so much to occupy your time all the time that that was never a factor.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would think that like making the videos and putting them together in the first place would occupy some of your time. Rather a than... lot. A
1: <laughs> lot of time. Yeah. I think I'm at about thirty hours of video. I'm trying to make it shorter, but it's it they take a while.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They take they take a long time. I mean, I I know how much it takes to put a podcast together sometimes <laughs> and put everything out there that I want out there for a podcast. Now putting it to video uh, seems like it would be it would take some time as well. Seems like you managed that. To time wisely though what did you what did you love about it what was your favorite thing or your least favorite thing or both
1: about living on the boat and
0: yeah yeah what
1: my favorite thing was there were only there were a couple uh being able to be outside all day every day being super active without trying to you know just getting in and out of the water all of the free diving we were doing um getting to spend the time together I don't know when else we would be able to have that, which it was awesome. And then, of course, the fishing was just uh, a huge highlight for me.
0: When, the, oh, sorry, go ahead?
1: No, sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, uh, when when did you get into fishing?
1: It wasn't until we hit Grenada, actually. We had a couple of hand lines, but um, I got this book, the something called like the Cruiser's Guide to Fishing, um, and that taught me everything. And I bought some reels and rods and lure secondhand from the cruiser's net down there in Grenada. And that sort of kick-started me into actually knowing what I was doing.
0: Gotcha. But you were able to stay occupied before you got to Grenada as well?
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, we were just in the water all the time and working on our free diving, which was great, and spearfishing and you know, killing lionfish was, was one of my greatest pleasures.
0: Yes. Thank you. Kill all the lionfish. Yeah, <laughs> did you eat any of them?
1: Yeah, they're delicious. Nice.
0: Yeah, they are delicious. I yes, they are absolutely delicious. Um, well, cool. So it seems like it worked out for you. What 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 were some of your least favorite things about being on the boat?
1: The head. <laughs> <laughs> the head is my least favorite thing about being on any boat, but particularly our boat. With we had so we had a manual plunger um, pump, and uh, yeah, the uh, the head.
0: Just just <laughs> pumping it all the time was a pain or what? Uh,
1: yeah. And it's just, it was a small space and it's, there's just nothing. I don't think there's anything pleasant about a boat head. Right, right. So.
0: Well, and Will, how about you? Did you know that you wouldn't be bored? I mean, it was your idea to begin with. Is there anything like, what was your favorite part of, of doing this adventure?
2: Uh, I mean, basically just echoing what Kat said. I just liked being active all the time. Like, you know, When I'm at home, my last thought is like, boy, I'd really love to go get some exercise right now. It just isn't how I prioritize my time at home. But it just is constant when you're cruising. You're always doing something that's physical, and I really like that. I really like being outside all the time. Um, I love being in the water. I could could have skipped all the land-based stuff we did other than maybe going to the bar every now and then and just dove. I loved it, um, and then as far as things that I didn't like, I mean, kind of the obvious. It occasionally sucked to stress out about fixing something or another, and usually the the stress of thinking about fixing a thing was worse than the reality of actually fixing the thing. Right, uh, and we never had anything major, but just just all the little things that go into you know cruising around on your home.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, yeah it's like it seems to me anyway that you know I've got stuff I need to fix around my house every once in a while, you know things go out, whatever it is that I've gotta go and put back together and fix that you're living on your house, basically, you're floating on your house, and you've gotta make sure you fix those things uh it could be more catastrophic on a boat if you let some things go too far i'll I'll give you that, but yeah. <laughs>
2: The ocean is actively trying to dissolve your boat, so things happen slightly uh, more aggressively than on land as far as things falling apart. But yeah, it's not much different, you know, than a house. You gotta you gotta fix what you gotta fix.
0: Right, right. Uh, did you ever have to fix that?
2: Uh, no, no. Well, I replaced the holding tank. It was not really fixing; it was more of a, an upgrade. Uh, but no, luckily, I did not have to play around with sewage too much
0: well that's good that's good um see i think that's one of the good things about having like a pumping head instead of like a electric head or something like that is the fact that i don't know
2: yeah simple mechanisms and i definitely i think the simpler the boat the better for the most part i mean there's some things that i couldn't live without like i love having a chart plotter at the helm that's a great gadget to have but Like pressurized water on a boat. Mm, I could do without it. I don't mind that we had it, but we replaced Jabsco pumps. Um, I'd rather have just a foot pump. It takes no energy. It's a simple system. It basically can't fail. And there's a lot of things on boats that are like that where they're nice to have, but you really don't need them, and they are going to break. So the less of that stuff you have, the more time you spend pre-diving than being scrunched up in your lazarette trying to replace something.
0: Right. Right. Now – did you guys have things like water maker, or solar power, stuff like that on the boat?
2: We had solar, no water maker. We did have a fridge, but no freezer. And luckily, the fridge gave us no problems. Uh, nice. But not a lot in the way of fancy systems. We actually had two autopilots that for the vast majority of the trip, neither worked. So we hand steered everywhere and finally fixed both. As soon as we hit Florida, we had access to parts.
0: All right. So you were hand steering, sounds like, most of the time. Oh, yeah. The whole time. The whole time. Nice. That's
1: well, awesome. and, you know, we didn't know any – I didn't know any better. Um, I don't think Will knew any better because he hadn't done long-term cruising. So it was fine. No, I
2: mean, but every other boat that I've ever sailed for, <laughs> you know, months at a time in some cases had autopilot. I know how good it is, but you don't have to have it. And it, it would have been nice at times. And in some ways, it's a safety feature, but it, it wasn't an absolute necessity.
0: Right. Well, cool. All right. So when did you leave? When did you end up leaving St. Martin to get back to your trip?
2: January 1st. And after that, we we knew that we wanted to get down to Grenada. And at that point, we'd reevaluate where we were going to go. So uh, we moved pretty quickly south after that and had great weather most of the way down, like strong winds, strong winter Caribbean trade winds. But for the most part, you know, nothing surprising. And uh, we got to Grenada, I think, in maybe mid-March okay, or even late February. You,
1: I think it was late February. It was late February.
0: Did you hit all of the other islands on the way down?
2: Basically, every single one of them. I, yeah. We didn't go to Barbados because it's kind of out of the way, but right. I think we went pretty much everywhere in between.
0: What was your favorite?
2: Who knows? That's a loaded question. Is, <laughs> it's, so, it's So different. Like Saint Martin has the French side of Saint Martin has the best food of any of the islands, um, and like nightlife culture, Dominica is amazing. It's a mountainous, lush rainforest with fruit just hanging on the trees. Um,
1: I like the French islands because I can pretend that I'm French with the 17 words that I know.
2: Yeah, I mean, some of the best diving was. Like the Custo Park in Guadeloupe was amazing. Um, Carriacou had really good diving. It it just depends on you know what aspect you're after,
0: right? So a a little bit, little something different on every single island.
1: What's really neat is that every island is so different. Um, So as you're approaching, some look pastoral, some are very volcanic, some are lush rainforest, and it's it's really neat to have that variety. You
0: know. Uh, Steve and Brandy were talking a little bit about how you guys kind of liked to get up and move every so often. Like you didn't like to get stuck in one certain spot. Why is that?
2: Well, after our experience being stuck in St. Martin for a month, we were, uh, I think that kind of resonated for the rest of the trip. And anytime we spent more than a couple days in an anchorage, we were extremely ready to go, even if we'd initially planned to stay longer.
0: Uh, why Why were you extremely ready to go uh,
2: I don't know because we were we were out traveling, and the goal was to travel, and we knew that we were on a timeline we weren't doing it indefinitely, so just kind of on to the next thing, and you get every time you show up somewhere new, you get that little buzz of excitement and i I certainly found myself always chasing that. It's great to sail up to a new island and check out a new anchorage see what's on shore, see what's going on. But the other the other part of it is that when you're on a boat, you're chained to it. Like you can't go very far and get away from it for very long. So really, and you don't have a car with you. Mm-hmm. So you end up just seeing the, the small area around your immediate anchorage for the most part. So it doesn't take long to exhaust that area and then you might as well move on to the next anchorage and see what's going on around that one.
0: Gotcha did you guys um with with the budget that you had did you guys not do anything as in were there any tours or anything that you didn't do because of the fact that you said well maybe that's not in our you know did you not rent a car somewhere did you not uh whatever
2: no we spent pretty freely in that regard we kind of fell into the idea of all right we're actually probably going to This is going to be a one-year trip, so we're not going to worry about our budget too much. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I don't really recall anything that we didn't do because of budget concerns.
1: I mean, we were a budget conscience when we were in Dominica, for example – there, all the guidebooks and everything you read lists wonderful hikes and tours, but you they strongly recommend you do them with the tour guide. And we said, ah, eh, let's just get, rent a car for two days and explore the island and figure it out.
2: Well, that was after going on a tour that totally sucked and spending a hundred dollars to have a guide take us a mile up a creek. That's true. On a panga, and so after that, it was like, I mean, a little bit. Maybe we'll save our money and do some of this ourselves, but also. Maybe we'll do just as well or better to do it ourselves.
1: But we didn't. <laughs> the island is actually very hard to navigate, and we set out to find fifteen waterfalls, and we found one. So that was an instance that maybe with some more planning and spending some more money would have. Seen well, we more. ended up
2: hiring guides to do everything after that.
0: So, di- so did you or did you not meet Sea Cat?
2: Uh. I think we met one of SeaCat's like workers, workers down yeah. in Rousseau, yeah. Uh, yeah. but we didn't even end up spending a night in Rousseau. Uh, we just stopped there for an afternoon, and we based out of Portsmouth, which is a way nicer anchorage, but it's further away from most of the tourist stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was down there, we were in we were in both. Like, I think we port. I'm going to get my geography wrong. I think maybe I don't know. Portsmouth is the northern side yeah okay so yeah we started in Portsmouth we went up to Les Saints and then we came back from the Saints and we were down in Rousseau and we pretty much stayed on one of Seacat's moorings down there and then he took us everywhere um it sounds like you did the boiling lake though oh yeah nice nice that's awesome did you ever find your uh ring
2: no no i, I... I know that I lost it somewhere in the vicinity of Christmas Cove on a great St. James Island. Maybe it's little St. James Island near St. Thomas, but, uh, don't know what happened to that one.
0: Kat, did you make him get a new one?
1: You know, he's still off the hook. (laughs) (laughs) Once we settle down a little bit, that'll be a priority. But right now he's, he's got some freedom.
0: All right. right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, cool. So you got down to Grenada and when did you get down to Grenada?
2: end of february
0: end of february okay and then kat your your fishing um your love of fishing started Yep. your, your obsession if you that's will. that's right um uh, <laughs> is that where you went and got all of the fishing gear
1: it's where i got the first installment shall we say i uh went on to. So there's a, a very active cruiser's net community down there. And I got on one morning and I asked if anybody would, had fishing gear for sale and then worked with a guy who'd been down there for a while who was getting rid of a lot of stuff. And so he hooked me up with um, one rod and reel set and a <clears throat> ton of lures. And then on our way back in Guadalupe, I we were meeting some friends and I, had, I shipped some parts to them that they brought down and, and bought some more from a, a local shop.
0: Nice. Nice. And uh, you've caught a lot of fish since then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's been great. We've caught a ton of mahi-mahi, some that were quite big. And then our most recent and most awesome fish was a little white marlin that we caught on our way back up in the Bahamas.
0: Yeah, I was seeing that. That's, uh, That's pretty amazing.
1: It was it was a highlight for sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> uh I have never I, I don't know. I don't know if I've heard of anybody else catching a marlin off the back of their sailboat, but uh that that is that is crazy. So now you understand like what what the going fishing for Marlin bug is all about.
1: Basically. Yeah, I, I didn't get it because in that initial set of lures that I, I got I had all these big ones that were for catching billfish, and I had no desire to ever do it. It, it seemed silly. Why would I want to catch a fish that was my size or bigger? Um, but now that we've caught one, I totally get it, and I hope to do it many, many more times.
0: <laughs> well, I hope you get to do it many, many <laughs> more times as well. Uh, did you ever like make a like diversion off of your course in order to follow uh, in, in order to like go to a better fishing spot?
1: Yes. And it often happened when Will was asleep and down below, and I'd see some <laughs> birds, and he wouldn't know that we were going off course.
2: <laughs> yeah, and sometimes we'd specifically take a, a day and just go fishing. Like, sole purpose of the day was just to go fish.
0: Nice. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you did that a couple of times uh, from from some of your videos. So, um, and then, so you were in Grenada for a little while, and then was that the southernmost point that you got to?
2: Yep, that was as far south as we went. We were there for maybe a week before turning around and heading north. I think before we'd even gotten there, we had kind of decided, um, okay, we're probably just going to make this a one-season trip. Um, So we're not going to sail west to Panama. Mm -hmm. So let's just cruise back up the chain, hit anything that we didn't see on the way down, and – You know, once we were back up in the Virgin Islands for spring, we'd have some more guests because it's a great place to have guests and then sail back to the U.S. in the late spring.
0: Okay. And that kind of ended up working out. I mean, I was just watching your, you know, your videos about Zika and all those other things and your possible plans to stay. It sounds like you might have thought about staying when you when you got back up to the Virgin Islands, you might have thought about staying for another season even then.
2: Yeah, we had a change of heart then um, and decided, well, I I suggested that maybe we hang out in the Virgin Islands longer because we we just got there. It was the first time we'd stopped moving in four or five months, and it felt nice to just be based out of one area with easy sailing conditions. Um, And I thought, you know, it'd be great if we stuck around here for a couple of months and then we could put the boat up on the hard We'll go travel overland, like in Central America, learn to surf during hurricane season, and then we'll come back to the boat. And that means we'll have more time to check out the greater Antilles and maybe even go over to Mexico, Belize, that area, before returning home before the next hurricane season.
0: Right. Um, but Zika changed all of that.
1: Yeah, we um, hadn't really been following the news that much and started getting some concerned calls and emails from our family about it. And we started looking into it. And as much as neither of us like to buy into any um, media hysteria and play into whatever the pandemic du jour is... um, we are thinking about starting to have a family in the not-so-distant future. And the Zika, everything about Zika just made thinking about the next leg of our adventure less fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it put some doubt in our minds, and that just didn't seem worth it to us.
0: Right. You guys, you guys, I, th- I think we're similar in our mindsets of like, yeah, all right, there's going to be some some other disease out there that comes out from somewhere and, you know everybody's gonna worry about it but at the same time the stuff that's coming out about Zika and the unknown stuff about Zika and then the stuff we are finding out about Zika makes things a little bit scary especially for people in your uh, situation Um, I'm not in that situation at the moment but you know if you guys are thinking about starting to have a family sometime in the not so distant future it sounds like uh, you might be worried about Zika a little bit more than some other folks so
2: Yeah, it was something that we at least had to factor in. And then we hadn't even made a firm decision about that when we were so we got back to the Virgin Islands in early April, had a bunch of guests on board and then made that decision to stay for second season. And but by the time it was early May, we were just bored and getting kind of depressed, hanging out in the Virgin Islands like we were moving constantly and going to a new island every day. But still, it's a small area. We know it really well. It's nothing new, even as beautiful and fun as it is. And so we're just getting kind of antsy. Anyway, we decided, well, we're gonna let's go go sail over to the Spanish Virgin Islands and check them out. And then we just kind of kept on sailing downwind until we got to Florida. It just seemed like we were like, yeah, you know what? Why are we stressing about this? Let's just stick to the original plan and make it a one-season trip. Right.
0: Did you guys love uh, San Juan and Puerto Rico and the or the Spanish Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico and everything?
2: Yeah, it was great. Uh, we only we didn't go to Vieques, we, but we hung out in Culebra for a few days, and it's really cool because it's not nearly as developed and touristy as the rest of the Virgin Islands, and obviously it's got kind of a Spanish flavor, and so that was great. And then San Juan was the certainly the biggest highlight as far as cities go on the whole trip.
0: Yeah. What did you like about it?
1: It's beautiful. It reminded us a little bit of San Francisco in the Caribbean. It's very old architecture. Um, Every building is different color than the next. There's a great food and beverage scene there. Um, There's just a lot going on. And we had a cool Airbnb right in the heart of old San Juan. So we could just get lost, and just sort of felt like living in a, a really fun, um, visually stimulating city again.
0: Nice, nice. How long did you stay in the Airbnb?
1: We had rented it out for two nights, and then we liked it so much we stayed a third. Okay,
0: cool. Uh, and was that the host? Like I, I just kind of watched that video where you guys were about to go out partying with your friends. Who Let It that? Breeze. Let It Breeze, that's right.
2: Yeah, Robin Crystal. Robin Crystal,
0: correct. Was that the host that was taking you out?
1: No, he was somebody who had been following our videos and um, when we posted that we were in Old San Juan on Facebook, he sent us a message and said he'd love to to show us around. So he was a local guy who took us out on one of the most wild, fun nights we had.
0: Yeah, well, that, I mean, that, that's just super cool that, like, you guys doing the videos and connecting that way and having the having the website and the blog and all that stuff, like, Gets people connecting with you guys when they hear where you're, you know, someplace else and all that other stuff. So, um, I just think that's awesome that that's the yeah. way that that's the way you you guys like met up with this with this, uh, with this guy in old San Juan. What was his name?
2: Sergio. Sergio.
0: That's right. What is it? I wish I should say, what is his name?
1: Ooh. <laughs> and so, since then, we've gotten contacted a lot by other people, and it's been definitely a highlight to get to meet people in other places that we travel.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that, sounds, that sounds pretty cool. And so from there, you went up to the Bahamas. You spent a little bit of time in the Bahamas before making it over to Florida, correct?
2: Yeah, Puerto Rico and then over to the Dominican Republic before we went to the Bahamas. Uh, Luperon in the DR is a super fun little town to spend a week or two. Um, but from there, yeah, we went up to the Bahamas and spent about a month sailing through.
0: Gotcha. So you were in loop around for a week?
2: Yeah, I think a week, maybe just over.
0: Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So did you guys stick with your budget?
2: Uh, we, well, we didn't really keep track of our budget as we were going, but when, so we sold our boat last week. I'm sorry to hear that. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> once we finally had kind of the money in the account, we sort of sat down and looked at what we'd spent over the last year, and we were kind of a, I think we were doing a little bit better than we had planned. Um, so well, we only—we basically sold our boat for what we paid for it,
0: right? And. So it sounded like you had kind of uh, – if, if my numbers were correct from what I recall you telling me earlier, like $60,000 to go on the trip with and like to still have 20 left over. Is that correct? As in the boat was around the thirty-seven dollars to $40,000 range. Didn't you say your total was $120,000 that you left with, right? Yeah. And you, uh, want, and you wanted to have 20 left over. So like – you basically
2: oh, yeah, we way beat that one. Um, so we ended up spending thirty ish um, in the entire year.
0: So like you, you kind of had enough to go ahead and do another season if you wanted to.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, and that's um, we've been kind of hinting at what we're going to be doing next. We're not we're, we've got some money burning a hole in our pocket. So we're gonna, we're gonna keep traveling, but
0: so you're not going back to work,
1: not, not yet. Quite yet. <laughs> all, right,
2: all right, all right. I should also note in our numbers that we're paying a thousand dollars a month in student loans. So,
0: oh, really? So that was even with yes, so with your thousand dollars a month. So is that both like as in total for both of you? You're paying a thousand dollars a month in student loans.
1: Uh-huh, yes, that's right. Okay, that's
0: that. Uh, I mean, that's great. I mean, that, that tells me that. You know, $30,000 for less than a year, for a year, less than a year, uh, for about a year. It's getting, it's coming up on a year, I guess. Uh, um, but that's great. I mean, that's, that's like not expensive at all, basically. Uh, and it sounds like you were saying like you guys didn't not do things that you wanted to do. No,
2: we didn't even really Budget. We just sort of did what we wanted.
1: Yeah, I mean, what we like to say is the lifestyle that you have at home is probably the lifestyle you're going to have on a boat. So we like to go out to eat and to drink. Granted, our tastes are usually a pizza, so we're not going out to super fancy restaurants, Um, but that was really important to us when we were on the boat, too. Um, And because it was a short trip, we weren't going to prioritize saving every last penny so we could cruise an extra day. Mm -hmm. Um, So we had a freer. Um, perspective on how on how we budgeted, and yet it still was cheaper to, than living in San Francisco. Pretend to have been.
0: <laughs> no, no, you mean San Francisco is expensive. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. That that sounds that sounds great. So it sounds like you have a decent like, especially now that you sold you you sold Paradox for like thirty six. Thirty six. Correct. Yep. Um. How was that? Emotionally, how, how, was, how was Selling Paradox for you guys?
1: Oh, man. I mean, I was crying like as soon as we hit the Bahamas thinking about ending this trip. So um, I was a little bit emotional. And then when we sold the boat, I was a lot emotional. Um, but it sold so fast that it was kind of like ripping off a Band-Aid. I mean, I'm fine about it now. But it was, it was sad to get rid of our, our home. And just because she represented so much um, the whole trip... Um, everything the trip meant to us that selling her was was really tough for me
0: okay
2: and will uh i'm less sentimental (laughs) 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 i love paradox but she was never going to be our forever boat she's not a blue water cruiser i know that that is a loaded term but she wasn't going to take us across oceans that's not what she's designed for That's not what we were trying to use her for so we were kind of done with what what we were going to do in this part of the world with this boat. So, yeah, it was sad to leave our home, but also, I mean, it was fine. And I was just so stoked to have a quick sail, and it was such a whirlwind that it was done before I knew it.
0: Right. Uh, so you're saying you're going to do some blue water cruising at some point in time? Is that what I heard you just say, Will?
2: Yeah, not. we don't have enough money this time around. <laughs> you, you know our finances. Right. right. It's not enough to to go and buy another you know, more serious boat and head off into the wild blue for three years. But that'll, that's going to happen for sure. I think we'll probably at least attempt a, a circumnavigation at some point, maybe once we have some kids.
1: Yeah. I would love to go around the world in a, in a catamaran with a gaggle of kids. I think that would just be fantastic. But that, I mean thinking about planning financially for a trip like that is Um, just a whole different ball game. Um, but maybe we'll pick your brains on financing and see if if that could work.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. I I don't know. I'm, Hey, this is why I do this is to try and ask people about all the different options that are out there. Uh, so, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. But, um, uh, well, yeah, that's good. I'm I'm glad you guys are thinking about doing a circumnavigation at some point in time. A gaggle of kids—that—that's also that adventurous means, of you. <laughs> that means two, Teddy. It's not. Gonna work <laughs> What's
2: that? That's gonna—that—that that means two kids. Okay. Not, uh, all right. <laughs> not like six to ten. No. no,
0: no. <laughs> oh well, good. Uh, well, I'm just I'm just trying to pick your brains and see where you guys are at. Uh, But it seems like you guys are doing a little bit of traveling now as well, right? So you sold Paradox last week?
2: Yeah, we closed on Friday. So we listed her on – we sold her ourselves. We didn't use a broker and we listed her on July 14th or 15th, which was a Friday. Uh, We had our offer an hour after that and he closed on it last Friday. So we've been off the boat for just over a week now.
0: Okay, and so did you guys buy a car? You, you rented a car, right? I saw yep. in, your, in your blog post there. Yep,
1: we got a one-way rental car and had a week to drive from Florida to Philadelphia. So we stopped along the way to see, to see friends and now are um, chilling for a hot second.
2: Yeah,
0: no Atlanta stop, huh? Were you, did you stay closer to the East Coast in order to get on? Yeah, we, st-
2: we stopped in Savannah for one night. Gotcha, gotcha.
0: Yep, and that's still like four or five hours away from me. So,
2: you know, I even thought about you. I was like, it'd be kind of cool to do the interview with Teddy right there in Atlanta, but it, sorry, Savannah's a long way away. Uh,
0: yeah, no, it's it's all right. Uh, it's quite all right. But and that would have been cool. It would have been nice to meet you guys. Um, so you've gotten up to Philly. You're now at Cat's parents' house, correct? Uh, is the is the car you've given the car back to the rental place?
2: Yep, and we dug a couple bicycles out of cat's parents' attics, so we got wheels again. Nice. Uh, and now we are just in taking a day or two to chill, but basically already in aggressive planning stage for the next thing. And what what's the next thing? I can't tell you yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: is that just because you don't you're you're not exactly sure, or you uh, or, or you just don't want to put it out there
2: just yet?
1: Uh, we just don't want to put it out there just yet. Well, we'll tell people pretty soon. We have not closed
2: on our new mode of transportation. Um, so. Okay. It's not an RV, which everybody seems to think it is.
0: New mode of transportation. Yeah.
1: So we're going to disappoint a lot of people. We're not going to be in a boat immediately. Yeah. Um, but hopefully what we're doing will be fun to, to follow along with just the same.
0: Uh, All right. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you're like trying to buy an airplane or what, you (laughs) know, who knows?
2: That's probably, I've been talking about that for a while, but I don't even know how to fly.
0: (laughs) 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 I hear it takes a little bit of training. Yeah. 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 I hear that too. And probably more and the training probably costs more than you guys have to spend as well. From what I, I
2: you know, I, I calculated this out. I was talking to, one of the guys that follows our videos, he and I started chatting the other day on Facebook, and he suggested the airplane trip. And I was like, "Well, yeah, that sounds sweet, but I don't know how to fly." So he's like, "I got it, dude. You buy a Cessna 172 for thirty thousand dollars because you know they've been they're sort of like boats. They're, there's a huge market of of old planes around. So I'd buy a Cessna 172 for thirty grand, hire an instructor at twenty dollars an hour. It'll take me forty or fifty or hour fifty hours, and I've got my private pilot's license." And then I'm good to go. So, you know, that's not so bad if we do it that way. There you but
0: go. There you go.
2: That's a little ridiculous. I don't think I should, uh, you know, potentially kill my wife because I decided to set off on a world flying odyssey.
0: I, I, I mean, I agree. Uh, I, you know, cat.
1: Yeah, but we are not. We are not going in an airplane. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, it's not it's not an RV and it's not an airplane people. We'll just have to wait and see what this mode of transportation might be. Uh, um, uh well cool. Uh you know, your trip sounds freaking amazing. Um it sounds like you guys had a ton of fun. What advice do you have uh What what pieces of advice can you give let's me. Let's say or anybody else out there looking looking to do something like that?
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know what advice I can give you. It seems like you're pretty prepared. But the advice that I would give to people who are similar to me, the, the partner in somebody else's dream is um, if you like being outside and you like the water, you're going to love this. Um, to say that it was the best experience, the best decision that I've made to do this trip is to put it lightly. Um, so go and do if you can, um, because it's a fun trip to do while you're young. Also, if you're able.
0: Yeah, that's something that I'm looking at at the moment as well is the fact that like, if I'm able to do it now, why wait another, you know, 30 years and look at, health of relatives and things like that and they're they wouldn't be able to do a trip like that let's put it that way when they're in their yeah. late 60s you know
2: you know and most of the people we saw down there were in their late 60s so clearly it can be done but they look like they were having a much harder time of it not to say less fun necessarily but just everything everything on a boat's difficult and it's a lot more difficult for them so doing it young was sweet Um, other advice, Kat already touched on it was just, if you're sitting there dreaming about going sailing, make a spreadsheet, come up with some ideas about what it's going to cost and then start putting some pennies away, even if it starts small Mm -hmm. and pretty soon you've got, you know, there's, there's your boat.
1: Yeah. I remembered how hard it was to take the plunge, like telling our jobs we were leaving and selling everything that we own to go and do this. Um, but looking into the the abyss was way scarier. Once we were on the boat and doing it, it was so easy. Yeah. So easy.
0: Yeah, uh, I have to admit, that's where I'm at. The conversation with my boss is going to be a difficult one. But I also, um, somebody shared an article with me recently where um, in that article, and I kind of scanned through it, I have to read it in more detail, I think, but uh, they were basically like being upfront with your boss and giving them you know a little bit of time and being open and honest about your crazy idea and what you're going to go do is worked out you know they all say it works out way better than than the fear of actually having that conversation and then the fear that i like i'm sitting here saying well i'm not ready to talk to him yet because i have all this stuff in this townhouse that i own that i need to get rid of before i sell the house to live on a much smaller boat or something like that so um, but that sounds like pretty sage advice is the fact that you know that, that looking into the abyss is probably a little more scarier than actually dealing with it and getting out there and doing it so
2: yeah and it's also much different to tell your boss that you're going off on this harebrained trip around the world than it is to say I'm going to work for the competitor. Um, there's a limit to how pissed off somebody can be when it's just to- it's just a totally different thing.
0: right now, now that's a very good point. Well thanks guys. I really appreciate it. Um, you know where you- do you guys know where you're going from Philadelphia?
2: Yeah, kind of, but also can't say until we it's, have things locked down. It's part
1: of the top secret adventure plan.
0: Okay,
2: top secret, <laughs> yeah. top, top secret adventure plan it is. We, we are planning to leave the United States pretty shortly, though.
0: Okay, all right. Planning to leave the United States, not by plane, not by RV, uh, and shortly. Like, is that So are you going to be in Philly for a few more days, or is it in the next? Within the month, I think. Okay. So we will figure it out within the next month is what I'm hearing like yeah. you, you guys you guys will let us know we, We're either over at mondaynever.com or and you guys are on patreon as well, right? You guys are still putting up videos of yeah.
1: everybody asks if the sailing videos are still coming. Um, maybe it's a good thing that I'm a month behind, but yes, there's still going to be more sailing videos and uh, we're on Patreon and uh, we've got our website and our YouTube channel so you know where to find us.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, And Facebook and stuff like that. Which
1: which? Facebook, Instagram.
0: Where, like, do we find out on Facebook probably quicker or Instagram probably quicker than anywhere else? Where, where, like, what country you're in? Yeah,
1: so we're gonna let our patrons know what we're doing first Mm -hmm. because they they deserve to be in the know because they support us. Um, And then we'll let we'll do a big announcement of what we're gonna do, and then we're gonna keep people posted on where we are and what we're doing and as close to real-time as we can through Facebook and Instagram.
0: Cool. No, that's great. I can't wait to hear uh, where you guys are and uh, follow along on, uh, on your next, next part of, of the whole adventure. So um, it's awesome, guys. Thank you very much for having the conversation with me.
2: Yeah, thank you for having us. We really appreciate you taking the time.
1: Yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks so much, Teddy.
0: You're, you're welcome. It has been a lot of fun. Well, thank you all again for listening. I hope that you have opened up that Excel spreadsheet and started taking a good look at your savings, your finances, and that you've started downsizing and started taking a look at where you can cut back and stop spending so much money on things that frankly won't fit on a sailboat anyway. Uh, Let's get down to those three duffel bags like Will and Kat have. I'd like to give one more shout-out to Will and Kat for being such an awesome guests on the Sail Loot Podcast. Head on over to mondaynever.com or patreon.com slash mondaynever or find them on Facebook and Instagram. As always, all of the links and resources that are mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes at sailloot.com slash episode 040. If you have any questions about anything, Please feel free to email me at teddyj at sail loop.com. I try to respond to every email. Sometimes it takes me a little bit of time, but trust me, I do try. If you'd like to know how to set up your own sailing blog or your own website, head on over to SailLoop.com and click on the Way Anchor page. There's a quick video over there that'll help you get started. You can also ask me any questions about sailing, learning to sail, cruising, or anything else that you want. In fact, if you want to just shoot me an email about your sailing experiences, please, please do that. Because I love hearing those stories. If you want to help support Sail Loot and the Sail Loot podcast, you can use the affiliate links that you'll find over at on the Sail Loot resources page. You can also just share and spread the loot love on all of your social media outlets or throw a link up on your sailing blog. Of course, you can find us at sailloot.com, facebook.com slash sailloot, and on Twitter at sailloot. You can sign up for the Sail Loot email rally or leave a review for the podcast and subscribe to the podcast and iTunes all in one place over at sailloot.com slash podcast review. Thanks again for listening. I hope that all of you can find a way to find your sail loot to live a life rich in experiences. I hope to meet all of you out on the water, fair winds, and following seas. And peace and love.